We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The term dark money has been thrown around in American politics for a long time. It's a non-transparent means of donating to politicians. That lack of transparency potentially gives donors undue influence over recipients. It's been an ongoing discussion point in Missouri in connection with former Governor Eric Reiten's nonprofit, A New Missouri. An award-winning documentary film opens in St. Louis this evening, tracing a dark money story in Montana. It's titled, appropriately enough, Dark Money. With me in studio is uh, Elad Gross, is St. Louis constitutional and civil rights attorney. Joining us by phone is Kimberly Reed, Dark Money director and producer. Uh, thank you very much, Kimberly, for being with us. I hope you're there. Thank you so much for having me. And Elad, thank you for being with me in oh, studio. Thank, thank you for covering this. I'll start with you, if I may, to give folks a kind of a tutorial on just how dark money works. Yeah. Uh, dark money uh, consists of anonymous political donations. Um, they are numbering in the millions of dollars. Uh, they're throughout the United States. They're not just in Missouri. Um, in this documentary, which is fantastic, I got a chance to watch it last night, um, focuses a lot on Montana. Dark money, um, it circumvents the uh, campaign finance laws that we have. Campaigns are supposed to be transparent. We want to know who is giving money to which candidates um, so that we can hold candidates accountable. But these organizations have cropped up. You might have seen some names that uh, seem really uh, pleasant, like Americans for Sunshine or something, <laughs> and you have no idea where the money's coming from. Um, so, so they're getting around our laws right now. Can the politicians, the candidates, whomever, use it for any purpose they choose? Well, so a lot of these organizations are um, set up as independent nonprofit organizations, and they use the benefits of our tax laws in addition to that. They're supposed to be making independent expenditures, but as, as we saw here in Missouri with a new Missouri Incorporated. It was an organization set up uh, by Greitens campaign staff members um, that seemed to, that openly said we are here to support the agenda of the governor. Right. Uh, Kimberly, let me turn to you. Why Montana? Uh, you know, the biggest part, the biggest answer to that is, <clears throat> excuse me, just because we could actually tell the story there. There was um, a number of events that happened some accidental disclosures that really showed the game that they were up to and the ways that they were avoiding this transparency that Alad was talking about, uh, which was illegal, um, but we just had the benefit of seeing how it was happening. We had a couple whistleblowers that came forward. We had uh, a very diligent enforcer of campaign finance laws, and we had a really strong watchdog press on the ground in Montana that was following the story and through those that that combination of basically transparency we were able to see the game plan that these groups use a lot of the time and for once kind of just show people like look this is how you connect the dots this is the how it happens and it's not just happening in Montana it happens all over the US 
You would have to have whistleblowers, I would have to think, in order to get to the bottom uh, of, of this. The the whistleblowers are very helpful. Um, the, we had one uh, that showed up at a trial that uh, happens at the end of our film, and it, it was very helpful. I think that the case might have been proven just based on documents um, that we also had the benefit of uh, kind of stumbling onto. Um, but a lot of the times, uh, these groups are very difficult to detect. You know, they, as Elad was saying, they they claim to be independent. They claim to be operating independently of a candidate. Um, but basically, the the secret is out. Uh, these groups are exploiting loopholes like this again and again, and it's pretty much becoming uh, just a de rigueur, you know, uh, method that you have to use. If you're going to run a political campaign, you've got to have a dark money group, got to have a super PAC, and now we're seeing um, candidates bounce money back and forth between those two uh, with, with, with pretty reckless abandon in an effort to launder the money, in an effort to hide the money. Elad, you're a former assistant attorney general here in Missouri. Is there no mechanism whereby you can find out uh, who these people are, who these donors are? You can't really find out who the donors are unless you do have somebody who's willing to disclose that. Um, that's why they set themselves up as nonprofit organizations. The benefit of a nonprofit organization is that they do not have to disclose their donors. Um, we do have some statutes in Missouri right now that can be enforced, um, primarily by the Attorney General of Missouri. Um, those are consumer protection laws. They are laws that do um, regulate and govern nonprofit organizations. Unfortunately, none of those are being enforced by our officials in this state today. So, Kimberly, um, f- foreign donors can come into the picture, and not not to mention uh, people that might be suspect uh, in this country, but foreigners can thereby have a role in our election process, and that's illegal, I believe. That's right. If these donors are anonymous, uh, who's to say that they're not foreign donors? And the, the one thing that everybody agrees on is that when you're having an election here in America, that foreign money should not be influencing that in any manner whatsoever. And uh, there's there's nothing to say that that is not happening right now. That's one of the biggest threats of, of these dark money groups. Well, these groups, uh, they're not brand new. Uh, it seems to me that they, uh, they go back um, maybe a couple of decades, perhaps with not as much publicity as today, but they've been around for a while. Yeah, one of the reasons that I started following the story in Montana is that as early as 2008, um, we saw some of these, the use of these political nonprofits uh, being pioneered. Uh, We kind of opened the film with an example of one of those. Um, But what what really happened, the most significant event was in 2010 when Citizens United was passed by the U.S. Supreme Court. That didn't create dark money groups, but Citizens United really took the lid off of their ability to spend in an unlimited fashion, and that greatly increased the the influence and the effect of these groups. And is is that exactly right, that if it weren't for Citizens United, that these things probably wouldn't be uh, as uh, active as they are? They probably wouldn't be as active. Um, they would still exist because you can still use them to hide donors, and that's problematic mm-hmm. donors, um, those who are foreign, um, who are not 
um, in the United States. Whoever a campaign wants to keep hidden, they can refer them over to an associated dark money nonprofit organization. Do you have any sense of the, of the history of this prior to Citizens United as to what was going on? And- so, so the organization itself existed, um, and in part of the investigation that I've been doing into dark money here in Missouri um, included looking at old cases um, and looking at old uh, opinions from the Attorney General of, of Missouri. Um, and even, uh, I mean, before this proliferation of dark money, 501c4s uh, were used, and some are still existing today that are not dark money organizations. Um, but once somebody uh, pioneered this method for campaign finance, the floodgates were open. You know, I'm disturbed by the notion that uh, foreign contributions could be a part of this. You would think that there, a mechanism would be sought to determine if that were the case because it, it, it is illegal. Yeah, there, so so it's it's even worse than that. So the and this connects right back to the documentary. So at the time um, in the documentary, the attorney general in Montana, who is now the governor, um, he actually recently just sued the IRS um, for uh, putting forth a new regulation that would take five hundred one c fours like five hundred one c threes, which are service organizations, have to give a document to the government saying here are our big donors who give. Uh, over a certain amount, I think it's $500. They just retracted that rule for 501c4s only um, to make it easier and streamlined, but they didn't do that for any of these other organizations. So our government right now is making it easier for dark money folks to hide if they do have any foreign donors at this moment. Well, this a question for both of you, and I'll start with you, Kimberly. Uh, it seems to me the problem in this regard is the fact that you're asking the politicians, those who are most to benefit from this dark money, to solve the problem. They would not be inclined, I wouldn't think, to do so. Did you run into uh, any resistance from the politicians during the making of your documentary? Uh, you know, there are a couple of politicians in state there that are taking advantage of this loophole and are really, um, you know, milking the system when it comes to the use of dark money groups. And, yeah, I think you're always going to find a handful of folks who are, who are choosing to, to run anonymous campaigns like this. Um, but what, what we saw in Montana is, is uh, I think, a really inspiring tale, because if you can somehow get voters to really pay attention to the use of these dark money groups, uh, which is what happened in Montana, again, it happened because of a strong watchdog press that was paying attention to it. It happened because some candidates uh, we're, but we actually focus on some Republican candidates who are attacked by other Republicans. So uh, that really, you know, galled them, and they felt like that wasn't a fair uh, way to run an election, and they spoke out about it. So if you have politicians who are speaking out about how to reform a system that's fundamentally unfair, that's really helpful, too. I think it's more likely to see this reform happening at the state level, because Elad was saying uh, at, the, at the federal level, um, we just see time and again uh, efforts made to really disable the ability to enforce these uh, regulations, especially through the IRS. A lot is just sitting here nodding his head up and down. You're certainly agreeing with all of this. Yeah, this entire time. I think that it really – and I'm very much focused on Missouri, um, but 
it's going to take the people of Missouri, I think, in a big way to change how dark money works in our state. Um, and I think that there are a number of models around the state right now um, in terms of disclosure acts, but also in terms of getting people involved in this process to change the laws of their state. And when you have a situation where your government has been corrupted by dark money, you need someone to deal with it. And that's that's up to us now as, as the people of this state. But in general, I would I would have to conclude from my observation that this is one of those things that people don't care much about. You know, I, I was listening to the, the last story that you just had on, and I got to say, I, I got really fired up because I was thinking about it, and, and I've been working with kids in the city of St. Louis for about 10 years now. And it's the reason that I got involved in the law, and it's the reason why I'm probably in this room right now, is because th- this is what you get when folks hijack your government, when your government is no longer responsive to people who are in uh, public housing projects, when it's no longer responsive to people in North St. Louis City, or you have rural Uh, hospital closures all over the state. There are folks who are no longer being represented by their government because our government is beholden to people with money and power, and now we don't even know who they are. So I think it's extremely important, and I hope folks... I mean, this documentary does a great job revealing that, too. Uh, Kimberly, maybe the the lack of popularity of politicians will uh, get people motivated. You know, I I think that's going to help. I think there is a lot of discussion at the federal level, if not about uh, enforcement coming from our elected officials. We are seeing some attention being paid to the kind of raft of investigations that are going on. And I think that Americans really understand that uh, if money is anonymous, you're just not going to have fair elections. And that fundamental sense of fairness is something that that we saw appealing to voters, regardless of their political stripes, is you know, it, we should just have, be able to see what's going on in our elections, and and the voters should be informed enough to be able to to suss out, to evaluate um, what the what what moneyed interests uh, ultimate goal is, and if you don't have transparency in your elections. You don't know who's trying to buy them. And I think a lot of uh, attention on these investigations at the national level, especially when they involve money coming from foreign sources, uh, is going to hopefully bring a lot of attention to this issue on the state level, too. A lot of the people of Missouri didn't seem to get too fired up over a new Missouri, the Greitens nonprofit. Uh, so I've had the opportunity for the last uh, year and a half to travel to a lot of communities around the state. And I will say that folks do get really fired up about having a government that's responsive to them. I think that one of the big barriers with these 501c4s and this dark money stuff is that it's hard to understand. And that's part of the mechanics behind it. Um, so something that we are doing now is we are trying to educate folks around the state about what these issues are, finding what uh, really brings them to the table. Um, but uh, we're also considering launching a statewide uh, program to get folks to actually write a Missouri law to change this dark money issue in Missouri. There again, we have the fox and the hen house kind of situation. The law has to be written by politicians. Well, no, it doesn't. Uh, it can be written by the people of the state. There is a great model. Um, a, a referendum situation? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, and there's a great model in Michigan right now in terms of their gerrymandering um, that they, they gathered town halls. They had town halls throughout the state. And the people themselves wrote this initiative. Um, And I think the people of Missouri are going to have to do that, too, and probably people 
people throughout our country. We have a caller who wants to get into the conversation who has uh, what he thinks is a solution. Let's bring in Brant and find out what he has to say. Go ahead. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I would like to see (laughs) money completely taken out of elections. Because if you need advertising or radio or TV to tell you how to vote, you probably shouldn't vote. And um, I also wanted to say, I think that this is being talked about today because it's mainly Republicans that benefit from this money. But I still want to see it completely obliterated. Brent, thanks for the call. Uh, Ela, do you think that's fair to say Republic- this is a Republican problem, um, issue? N- no, actually. I, I think that it's, it's happening everywhere. There was actually just an article I read today. I can't remember where it came out, but it was targeting – it was discussing Democrats' heavy use of dark money. You'll see it no matter who it is and what, what side of the aisle. Some folks who have pledged not to do it, you know, the, all the power to them. But folks on both sides of the aisle are doing it, and they're doing it in different ways um, to influence our governments all over all over the country, and you see that that same thing happen in Montana in this documentary too. Uh, Kimberly, do you think that this is uh, primarily a partisan responsibility? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely see this happening on both sides of the aisle, and um, I, you know, there's a, a maybe a slight partisan difference in that you usually see solutions coming from one side of the aisle. Uh, I don't think that always has to be the case. And in Montana, we saw a group of a uh, group of Republican state legislators working together with a Democratic governor uh, to pass some of the strongest campaign finance laws in the country. Um, and as Alad was mentioning earlier, uh, we also saw statewide ballot initiatives that were passed by the voters. Um, so there are ways that voters can, you know, take this bull by the horns and make sure the elected officials know that that's what they want. That's what we saw happen in Montana as early as 2012, which was the first election cycle after Citizens United. And I think that, you know, one of the things that drove me to make this film was just the thought that spreading the uh, message of what happened in Montana to achieve this sort of reform would be an inspiring message to folks in other states. So it's not that far off. Do you have any evidence in your documentary uh, showing how some of this money was used to affect uh, legislation or policy? Absolutely. We've got a whole whole box of <laughs> evidence that um, one of which was, uh, you know, just, just kind of a, a spy novel to unfurl. So I won't get into too many spoiler alerts, but there's a box that shows up in Denver, Colorado, and um, somehow makes its way back to Montana. Um, It was full of evidence that was showing all of this illegal coordination between uh, these groups, which are supposed to be independent, and candidates. And it wasn't just one candidate. It was 14 different candidates in one election cycle. And it actually wasn't just one state. Uh, it was a program that was being run in as many as five states across the nation. So, yes, we have plenty of evidence. Well, let me make sure that uh, our listeners know uh, when they'll be able to see Dark Money, and they don't have to wait long because it's opening tonight at the Tivoli in University City, and it's going to run through the 23rd. So folks should know that. And let me come back to you with uh, a new Missouri. Do we have any evidence of, uh, of of money being used through that nonprofit to influence policy or legislation? We, we do. We actually just had a chance to vote on it. So uh, we can't see very much about what a new Missouri does, but we were able to see where some 
some of the new Missouri's money went. And uh, this money went to uh, three, it looked like, uh, I call them burner committees, but they're uh, campaign committees that start for a while, they last for a few months, and then a new one takes over. Uh, All of these committees supported uh, the right to work um, ballot initiative in this state um, and and the policies that were related to that as well. And of course, some of that money might have been used and probably was used in conjunction with the then Governor Greitens' uh, problems with the uh, with the, the, the woman, the scandal, if you will. It, it, it's possible. So right now, I have a lawsuit uh, against a new Missouri, um, and I am seeking records. I requested records under Missouri's nonprofit laws. Uh, they refused to give them to me, so I had to file a lawsuit, and we're we're waiting to hear on that now. Well, keep us posted as you develop this idea of a, of a referendum uh, to to deal with some of these issues. Thank you so much, uh, Kimberly Reed, for being with us. Uh, good luck with the movie. Again, I'll remind folks it opens tonight at the Tivoli in University City. Can I make a pitch real quick? Yes. Uh, so there's also going to be a panel discussion on Sunday in between movie showings, 3 o'clock at uh, Three Kings right across from the Tivoli. And we'll have a conversation much like the one we had here, yeah. correct? Yeah. Kim- Kimberly, again, thank you and good luck with the film. Elad Gross, St. Louis attorney, thank you so much for being with thank us. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.